If you look at the last 100 years data, I mean the market crash happened. There were around 24 to 25 market crashes in last 100 years data. On an average, you have to face a market crash once in three, four years. That is sure. Market will fall tomorrow or market will fall today. It doesn't matter to me. We have to prepare ourselves. And second thing, each time whenever the market crashed, it was on an average around the 20, uh, 20 to 25 or 30 percentage downtrend. So when you are investing in an equity, you must be prepared yourself to face any market crash for any three to four years, once in a, once in a three, four years. And you have to be well prepared for the crashes like 25 to 30 percentage downtrend in your equity. Hello and welcome to the Growth Mindset Podcast, where we turn your brain from a seedling to a fully grown tree with just a few episodes. I'm your host, Lava Dishad, and I'll be a personal gardener as we dig up old limiting beliefs and plant new empowering ones. Our podcast covers almost everything you need to know about personal, professional, financial, and spiritual growth. Each episode features successful leaders who will share their stories and strategies to transform you into your best self. So grab your watering can and hit that subscribe button. Let's get growing. So first thing first, thank you so much, uh, Mr. Basuraj, for taking your time out and joining us on the Growth Mindset Podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here. My pleasure to Selva. Awesome. So, Mr. Basuraj, for people that might not have come across your work, right, would you like to give a quick introduction about what you do? Yeah. Uh, see, I, I, I will just give my background uh, so that that will give the more clarity about what I am doing. Uh, I started my journey as an insurance agent in maybe 2003 or 2004. And then I moved to uh, mutual fund distribution in 2008. And later on in 2011, by 11, I completed my CFP. And from there onward, I started to do the planning and all those stuff. And uh, from 2018 onwards, I registered myself as a CB registered investment advisor. And I'm completely into fee-only financial planning model. It is a kind of a model where we deliver the client's advice without any conflict of interest. So I think that will be uh, more rewarding to the clients rather than us. So that's what I am doing since 2018, and I have a clients across the globe and across India. Uh, that's what my introduction will be. Awesome. So this is the, <laughs> one of the most basic questions that people have, right? And that's why I want to start off with this question. Uh, when you say conflict of interest and different type of models, fee-based versus percentage-based, can you give an idea to the listeners who is hearing, who are hearing us for the first time, as to what? these different modules mean and how does this benefit or hamper the person like us who's investing? Okay. See, uh, let me give you an example with a health industry. Take for example, you consult a doctor and he will charge certain fee and, uh, uh, and uh, he will prescribe certain medicines and that you have to buy it from the medical shop. Same way, in financial industry also, it is uh, working. But earlier, before the CV regulation, what used to happen is that uh, take for example, doctor may have his medical shop, he will prescribe the medicines and he will charge the fees and you have to post to buy the medicines from his shop only. So one way of earning is through the fee and second way of earning is through the medicines what he will sell indirectly. The same thing used to happen in mutual fund industry also, I mean in financial industry, where people used to represent certain uh, products and they used to sell products like mutual fund, mutual funds, insurance and all those stuff. And at the same time, there are few people who used to charge differently along with what they will earn. So to make sure that there must not be any conflict of interest when I advise to clients, CB came into, uh, I mean, we introduced the uh, regulation like registered investment advisor in 2013, where if you really want to do the advising to the clients, then you must not sell anything. You have to completely come out from the selling. You have to give the advice. 
and collect the fee. However, if you can't do that one, then you can go for a mutual fund distribution, insurance, and all those stuff as a representative, sell the products and earn the commission. So these are the two different models. But what will happen in case of a mutual fund distribution or else whenever someone is trying to sell means, obviously there will be certain conflict of interest, knowingly or unknowingly. Okay, the person who is recommending you the product may be to certain extent inclined towards his earning potential rather than yours. So those small, small conflict of interest is always used to be there. That is the reason when you are approaching anyone to take your financial advice, it is always first question to ask yourself is, what is the conflict of interest behind the advice what this person is giving? Whether he is earning certain commission or else He's collecting the fee apparently for me. So when I'm saying that I'm collecting the fee apparently for me, then it doesn't matter to me whether we invest in A product or B product because my earning is not depending on that one. And in no way, I am not at all related to any mutual funds, brokers, or anyone where I will earn the single penny directly or indirectly as a commission. So I think this will be more beneficial, but it started to gain recently. People are trying to understand the difference and how they can approach, but it will take a time. But obviously, it is one of the best models, I think, in the financial industry, which Sebi introduced recently. Correct, because uh, I know I know a lot of people that are in, in the U.S. And you know, if, if you read what happened in the U.S., like the Great Depression, that bubble that happened in 2008 and nine, everything came crashing down right and uh, in 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 the us they have a a rule where we typically call them as fiduciaries right where they have a similar rule like how we are working here like how you are working as a fee based rather than having a a percentage model uh, approach right and i also want to kind of emphasize on this why because this is something that a lot of people don't know in india right this is this is still picking up pace when we think about financial planner what we think about is going to a high corporate bank there is a there is a specific manager and you basically take all of your money and give it to him and he'll manage your money. And after 20, 30 years, maybe he'll double it, triple it, and then give you the amount. But I will give you an example. Uh, see, uh, especially when it comes to insurance, uh, many people are unaware that when they will invest or I, uh, the wrong word is the invest with respect to insurance, but I feel using because that's how uh, the model is there. So when you buy a product uh, from any life insurance, then the upfront commission in the first year itself is around uh, 25 to 30 percentage. Okay. Wow. And uh, from second year onward, it is 5 percentage or 7 percentage. So indirectly, you are paying them. But when we are indirectly paying them, people will not realize that. However, when someone will ask that, okay, you can do it without any middleman and without any cost involved, and I will charge the fee, then obviously people will hesitate. But there are so many people, and in fact, what I'm trying to say is that there are certain corporates who are introducing this concept to their employees and they are, uh, uh, I mean, uh, benefiting uh, if they are paying the fee. Okay. So it is gaining popularity, but obviously it will take a time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure this will take quite some time because right now, if you see the way everything is being promoted on, on national television, on media, it's more like, you know, invest in mutual funds. Uh, you are subject to market risk. I mean, People don't understand the the intricacies behind those words because I know because I've been reading about this. I'm talking to financial advisors and then now they're telling me that, you know what, these words that they mean at the end can literally change your future plans and your future retirement, whatever amount you, you basically save. So I wanted to ask you, let's say someone does go for an opportunity right? because I want people to understand why fee-based approach is better than the percentage one, right? Uh, let's say, for example, someone invests uh 
with a percentage module, right? For 20, 30 years, they're saving one specific amount, they're investing in other options. But after 20 or 30 years, let's say someone who we are working with is taking just 1%, 1 or 2% of managing the entire portfolio. How does that impact the overall investment and returns after, let's say, 30 years? Do okay. how much how much money is going out of our pockets and so on? Okay, it is shocking if you if I say so. See, uh, we always think that compounding works only when it comes to investment, but compounding works even whenever we spend. Okay, take for example, as you have given rightly the example of one percentage of AUM, what they will achieve over the period of uh, thirty years. If you compare, it is almost around twenty five percentage of your net worth you are donating to someone in the form of commission only or else fee only. So exactly. whenever, that's the reason I used to say to all my clients that whenever you are investing somewhere, the first question you have to ask yourself is what is the cost involved? Okay, because in financial industry, the model is written in such a way that uh, whatever the cost I'm paying to them is fixed, but whatever the returns I will get, it is unsure. So that is the reason you have to check it out the cost. And uh, in terms of a cost base, obviously percentage based on model, is again uh, certain drawbacks. Take for example, there are certain drawbacks also with respect to the percentage-based model because their idea is to make sure that they create the higher AUM, okay, through other means of whatever the resources you have. Take for example, they will never force you to buy the residential property. I'm not seeing investment in a real estate, but they will never force you to buy a residential property for your own usage. And uh, the second important aspect is they may. Uh, I mean, uh, they will never product, suggest you the products, take for example, bank FDs or else uh, uh, the index funds, which are very low cost in nature, mainly because they have to show that I manage something. Okay. And they always try to suggest the complicated product because the more I complicate you, the more you rely on me. Otherwise, why you rely on me? Right. And again, they will never allow you to repay your home loan or else they will never allow you to contribute higher percentage of. Uh, your money towards VPF and PPF and all those stuff where we don't need to manage anything. They are the simplest and best products available in debt space. They will never promote that one because their idea is to make sure that to increase their area from your side where I can show that I am managing your money. So those conflict of interest is always there which you can avoid if you adopt the fixed fee based moral advisor where irrespective of your network or whatever the amount of money you are going to invest, he will charge with the fixed fee. Correct. And that's why I lean more towards fixed fee approach because there, there is no conflict of interest. You will work similarly the way you work with me versus let's say there is another client of yours, right? However, if yours is a percentage-based approach where you are charged, you know, obviously your percentage will be de determined based on the portfolio managed. So if I have a specific portfolio amount versus the other one, you, you will definitely lean towards more where you're able to get more money. And that's just one percentage that we spoke about, right? The percentage where let's say one or two percentage management fees, but this is not the only fee, right? There are so many other handling fees that are going behind the scenes. And then Absolutely. that typically, yeah, there are typically it can add up like expense fees and, and there are so many, right? Can you shed some light apart from these type of expenses? What type of other expenses that people are not aware, but they're just you no know, going around and paying because they're actively managing their investment through an active uh, fund manager? Yeah, take for example, even though the uh, percentage-based uh, AM planner may recommend you the direct funds, which we feel that, okay, there's no expenses. How many of us, the mutual fund investors, will bother about the total expense ratio which mutual fund companies will charge on us? 
there is a huge difference if you compare the active versus passive funds. Take for example, it may be around 0.5 to 1 percentage again. And if you are investing for over two to three decades, obviously again, as I give you an example, 20 to 25 percentage, again, which of companies will take. So 20 to 25 percentage from uh, advisor, another 20 to 25 percentage from these mutual fund companies, then what is left with you? Okay. Exactly. So these are the small, small holes which we have to look for. Again, many people are unaware of these expenses. As I've given you in insurance industry also, I'm not saying that uh, we have to invest in insurance products, but I'll just give you an example. See, by investing in an insurance product, investing, not buying, okay? <laughs> by investing in insurance product, you are creating the wealth to your middleman without a single penny of his investment. Yeah. On this earth, who will give me 5% return on investment without investing a single penny? Agreed. And, and it's, it's quite fascinating when you think about it. I am the person who's investing. I am taking 100% of the risk. And the middleman, he has no risk to worry about. He makes money. At the end of the day, I take all the blame. If something goes wrong, I still pay my, my planner. If I'm making profits, I pay. And the best part is if I'm making loss, I still pay. So there, there is no proper agenda where I, I see because when I was learning about this, when I was talking to a few of my friends, when I heard this, I was astonished. Like, why are we even doing this? Because, and this is why I wanted to talk about this. I'm creating this financial education series to help people understand that, you know, there are so many things that are going behind the scenes. Everyone wants to buy mutual funds, but no one knows what's happening behind those mutual funds. Now, let's talk about two different types of approaches that we were talking about, right? Active investing and passive investing. So active investing, we kind of have an idea now, right? Where people are buying funds. But let's let's dive a little more deeper around what is the difference between active investing and passive investing? See, to simplify this in the passive and active, obviously, as the name suggests, uh, you give 100 rupees to the fund manager and fund manager will say that, okay, boss, I will collect the 100 rupees from you. And as per the mandate of the fund, I will buy the stocks, sell the stocks, in what proportion, which stocks I have to do it, I will do certain research and accordingly, I will try to generate the returns. This is something called as active because the fund manager is very active here. In terms of a passive fund, say for example, again, I'm investing 100 rupees. I am not, I'm saying to the fund manager that boss, don't do any activity. Just replicate my 100 rupees, like how in which uh, index I am trying to invest. Take for example, Nifty 50. Invest 100 rupees in the same stocks, in the same proportion, you don't do any activity. So as there is no role for a fund manager to act, the charges will be very, very less compared to the active funds. This is one difference. Now, I'm not saying that there are all the, I mean, uh, the active funds are all bad at all times. There may be certain active funds which may be outperforming the index. Okay. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, what first question you have to ask yourself is, how consistently one can beat the index over the period of my investment journey? Forget about their investment journey. They may be, I mean, their management journey. They may be managing uh, the money or the funds maybe since 10, 20 years. But during my investment journey, for how many years they outperform the index, that matters to me a lot. Correct. Because that's how my financial life depends on, right? And if you check it out across the globe, no fund manager or no active fund can beat the index over the period of a time consistently. I'm using the word consistently mainly because people will try to deviate from passive funds when they look at the returns over the index for the period of two to three years. And here by adopting the passive investing, I'm very much sure that at least no matter whatever may be the reason, I'm sure that I will get the index return. Hmm. 
But in case of active funds, what will happen is that if the fund is performing well above the index or it is creating the certain alpha, then obviously fine. However, if the fund start to underperform, then obviously I have to end up with lesser return than the index, hmm. which we will not take the blame, right? As you rightly pointed out, for any wrongdoing, we have to be here. For any good thing, they will show up as <laughs> it is their responsibility. And again, see, even uh, even though there may be a skill part or a luck part, they always try to showcase that it's a skill only. Yes. Right. So considering all these aspects, I think many people again the propagating the idea that index funds are only for the new entrants. I don't think so. In index investing, our passive strategy is mainly for those who are very much matured investors who may be experienced in these active funds and finally they end up with the index funds. Correct. And and when people really, as you mentioned, right, when you compare the history of how, if you compare the active fund managers versus the the passive, like the index funds, uh, I I was doing I was reading a book and I, I literally I literally came across like the the for the last thirty years when they did a comparison, ninety six percent of the times index funds beat the active managers, active fund managers. Ninety six, imagine, and there's only four percent chance that you will your your active managed funds are going to beat index funds, index funds, and that also there is a catch there too, right? It's not consistent as well. Correct. That's that's the reason like, I use the word consistently. Exactly, because there are there is a luck factor there, and not everyone can be lucky over and over again. Uh, for people who 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 might not have who don't have a lot of understanding around index funds, can you give people an idea as to what exactly is an index fund? The index fund, in the sense, take for example, uh, if some uh, if any fund is benchmarking the Nifty Fifty index, then the fund also has to replicate the benchmark, like a Nifty Fifty. Okay. Okay. And they have to buy the stocks in the same proportion in the same companies. Like how the Nifty is concentrated, and whenever there is a change in the index, index uh, stocks, then they have to replicate. So it is a simple strategy, even for a common man to invest. They no need to uh, look into like uh, why they are uh, buying and why they are selling and all those stuff. Because simple strategy, they are replicating the index. Okay. Now, even in the index funds, there are a, a lot of uh, people that might not have come across. Like, if someone wants to invest, where do we invest in index funds, right? So, which are some index funds of India? As the hype of index funds is gaining in India, uh, uh, at the end of the day, mutual fund industry is nothing but uh, AM garnering business. The more they need our money, the more business for them, right? So, obviously, they try to replicate or they try to catch this uh, tendency. Of a human nature, so they are launching so many index funds, and in fact, if you look at uh, the categories which are there in the index funds, I think maybe around 50-55 varieties are there. So obviously, it again confused. Let me give an example of life insurance again. Term life insurance is the simplest product, right? You buy it, if something happens, you normally get the money. But if you try to buy it today by looking at any insurance companies, you yourself will get mad. Because Correct. they added so many features in. Because they are at the end of the day, they have to showcase that they are the leader in the market. Same thing is happening with respect to the mutual fund industry also when it comes to index fund. So that is the reason I usually suggest that you no need to look for all those terms rather than that a simple Nifty 50, Nifty Next 50, and if possible you can uh, include the mid cap. Not required if you are including the Nifty Next 50. So these two categories are enough for you to manage your whole wealth because. Indirectly, you are investing around top hundred stocks of the Indian market, so that much is enough. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Rather than we trying to pick individual stocks, and I, I know the 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 behind the scenes kind of a work 
uh, around the mutual fund industry as well because they have their own products they have their own star ratings and people kind of you know when when you look at certain mutual funds that are really hot people say oh this is this is really good it is giving great returns but that was giving great returns till today we don't know what's going to happen in the future because you can't predict how the things will do in the future so far it is making and typically when there was a research that was done uh, that kind of indicated and you might know best because you're an expert that there were some mutual funds that were the top best mutual funds for the last 10 years but when the same history was taken to identify okay which were those last amazing 10 mutual funds for the last year how are they doing next 10 years they actually identified none of them were actually available then all of them had gone tank right yeah same thing happened with uh, recently spiva published uh, the recent research with respect to the active and passive there yeah. they found that almost around 85% of the active large cap funds are underperforming the index and in fact if you uh, one more article by morningstar i think uh, there they mentioned that if you look into last 10 years uh, uh, performance of the active funds only around 26 active funds are uh, beaten the index consistent over the period of 10 years so when i am investing I am unsure of whether I am falling this side or that side. <laughs> True. Okay. And then this is this is also important to kind of note, right? Like the behavior of the active fund managers because they are you know, though they are they read a lot, they they make a lot of adjustments and predictions. But end of the day, they are humans. Uh, they too are reading. They they too have the same mindset like most of us have. They are they are gathering information. And even if there are some issues that are happening at home, that also may affect their decisions, right? So, what are your thoughts there? Uh, have you seen any use cases where active fund managers have literally tanked people's money or they're at all because something went wrong in their own lives ah uh, nothing like that because they will not disclose their whatever happening in their private life okay yeah. but i'll give you an example without naming the that fund manager very respectable fund manager i too have a highest regard for that fund manager uh he was with one particular mutual fund company since uh, almost 1990s to up to last one uh, last month last few months and uh, he used to manage few funds since 1990s okay and uh, highest regard for him and uh, we can't question his uh, knowledge about uh, whatever the market and all those stuff but his fund itself only struggling to beat the benchmark since almost 5 to 6 years so this can happen with anybody take for example any new entrant so if this is can this can happen with a fund manager who is managing the money since almost 1990s then it can happen to any new entrant also see earlier the information was available only for few people right now the information is available to all of us so right. in that case that information arbitrage opportunity is reducing drastically hmm. okay so i know something about the company or the news and all the stuff so that i can be in a first position to profit on that news is reducing drastically so in that situation i think day by day active funds is starting to be like a dead only Uh, and again the cb made it uh, one more regulation maybe in 2018 i think uh, a recategorization definition of the mutual funds and all those categories so that again restricted their active role in uh, uh, buying the stocks and making sure that they are the leaders or they are beating index consistently so these are the few pointers which i think we have to think of before jumping into mutual fund investment world correct so now i want to ask uh, ask basically when people want to invest right what are the types of investment categories that are available to people and can you describe them the broader way about the investment categories then i will say that debt equity gold and real estate okay, okay. these are the four major categories which we can say that okay we can explore okay 
okay so we know these are four different categories right so what should be an approach for someone let's say uh, who is in their mid 30s right who wants to basically now plan they don't have a lot of investment they have never or they they did have maybe let's say mutual funds which were actively managed but now they realize that you know what this is not helping me so what should be the first strategy to start investing and where they should start okay see when it comes to investing many of us directly jump out to the investment rather than doing that one at first what we can do is that we have to prepare a plan in such a way that if something went wrong to me then how i can sustain anything can happen it may be like a loss of life meeting with an accident hospitalization or else sudden income loss or job loss which is happening nowadays right so for that purpose before jumping into investment you must have a protection for these purpose so that is the reason try to buy a term life insurance at least 15 to 20 times of your yearly income that will cover in case of one time your death of yours the second important aspect especially if you are a salaried make sure that you have your own health insurance never ever rely on a employer product coverage because we don't know when they will fire you and uh, to change the job and the new employer is not providing you the coverage then obviously or else they may not providing the sufficient coverage and you obviously under the risk third one is an accidental insurance and fourth important aspect is creation of an emergency fund of at least 6 to 24 months of your monthly expenses okay this will be handy for even two ways one is if you lose a job then you can run the show for the next 6 to 24 months and the second important aspect is that even though we plan many many things in our life there may be certain incidents where unplanned financial emergencies may pop up in that case we can utilize this emergency purpose once these basics are done then the next step is to think about investment and when we say investment what many of us will do is that suppose if you are earning 100 rupees and in that one after spending around 60 to 70 rupees whatever the amount left out we try to invest where the probability of the returns are higher than the typical bank at least this is the mindset right so we explore direct stocks we explore equity mutual funds real estate cryptos or else gold also but we are we have to ask one thing that see there is no single asset class on this earth which can fulfill all my requirements when i say all my requirements different types of needs they have their own pursuits and needs take for example equity gold real estate they have their own in fact bank of is also at certain debt funds so rather than concentrating too much on the asset class at first try to understand what is required for you when i say required for you try to list down your financial goals it is very much important before jumping into investment once you visualize your financial goals it may be like a retirement goal i know for 30 year young guy visualizing the retirement may be like a funny thing but at the same time one day or another day in your life you have to face the retirement i am not using this retirement maybe early retirement or kind of a financial freedom okay so retirement may be one thing and second thing if he is married then obviously kids education kids marriage buying a property like like that if you list down your financial goals then you will come to know the time horizon left to achieve those goals and the amount required to achieve those goals so before jumping into investment you must have clarity about these three aspects goal time horizon and the amount required based on these three aspects you have to choose the different asset class i am not saying that you must stick to any one asset class as a uh, uh, benjamin graham in his book the intelligent investor mentioned that don't overboard beyond 75% in any asset class okay and in fact this asset allocation is not new to us uh it was there since long but we forget all the stuff so we have to implement those basics try to do the asset allocation how much percentage of allocation you have to invest towards each asset class based on your uh, risk appetite and the time horizon of the goal and accordingly start investing 
when you start investing and do the asset allocation then you have to think about the products so product selection will be the end result but in many cases in generally what we do is that i am saving around 50 to 1 lakh rupees per month means directly jump over to the product search that is very wrong correct makes sense i think you you mentioned a very important point the moment we talk about investment i think this is also because of the the brainwashing that we have had from news and media saying whatever you have invest in this and invest in that but you you you've raised a very important point stating you know first try to identify what are your goals right because for each individual their their goals are different the financial goals are different someone would have uh, they would like to live lavish life maybe after 40 or 50 someone would be like okay with lavish life but typically they would like to travel the world so to everyone it is different and the amount that people would want also would be different i'm not sure when someone wants to go ahead and let's say create let's say a goal for financial freedom what do you think should be a number that they should be looking at for financial freedom 10 times of what they currently have 20 times what's your idea there see when it comes to financial planning or as i can say the retirement there is no standard rule or as there is no perfect calculator available on this earth the reason is that see we are tossing the coin in the air which is going to happen in another 20 30 years right take for example just look at the uh, 20 to 30 years back we never thought that one day we will spend around 25 to 50000 on a mobile phone and we never thought that monthly our internet bill used to be around uh, 1000 rupees or 1500 but those things are turned to be like a normal for us so what i am trying to say here is that see there is no standard rule but at the same time if you really visualizing your early financial freedom then try to make sure to invest as much as possible as you can because we don't know when the retirement or is that uh, uh, early retirement will knock us there are two ways one is you can retire as per your wish that's the luckiest thing if that happens otherwise you may force to retire maybe because of your health complication or is a uh, professional obligation so before reaching that one you must have your mindset and ideally i used to say that if you reach around 30 times of your yearly income then i think that will be sufficient and again it depends on how much withdrawal rate will be usually the standard rule is 4 percentage withdrawal rule but i usually suggest to go less than 4 percentage maybe around 2 to 3 percentage and that asset allocation of that uh, accumulated corpus should be around 50 50 between equity and debt these are the random uh, ways we can we can visualize but as i told you take for example i give an example of one of my client uh, with whom i interacted uh, maybe one or two years back he approached me uh, first covid he lost a job and uh, he was 49 years old he was not a I mean graduate also he was a diploma mechanical holder and used to work in one uh, pune uh, mechanical factory he lost a job and uh, when he approached for review his portfolio what i noticed is that he can easily fund his retirement goal and he can easily fund his kid education goal and he left out with under 1.25 wow. okay and uh, when his colleagues asked him that uh, uh, what you do as you are already 49 years old and covid is on our head and we don't know when we will get the job then his answer was that see i plan to retire at the age of 50 and i am retiring at 49 that only one year is a surprise to me <laughs> and what he did is that from the start of his career to till 49 years of age without bothering which asset class will generate in the returns he invested aggressively Hmm. that is very very much important see when i say compounding and all those stuff and uh, take for example this whole wealth creation journey depends on compounding formula right and in this compounding formula if you notice cautiously only two things are under our control one is how much i invest second one how long i wait return is not under our control 
so if you really visualizing the concept of fire or in early retirement try to start immediately as if the target like okay i will not work beyond 40 45 any you know, or in the private job 40 45 maybe a biggest challenge to work up to that but still i am suggesting visualize in that sense and try to accumulate as much as possible because we don't know which asset class will give with how much return right as i told you return part is not under my control just because i invested in equity doesn't mean that equity must perform correct right so that is the reason try to invest aggressively to be able to benefit from the compounding formula you have to give more than two decades mm. okay so two to three decades so that is the reason if you are under the 30 then the biggest uh, positivity for your side is the time which may not be having for the 40 45 year old guy okay so if you really want to buy i mean again if someone is listening for 40 45 year old age guy then to buy that time you may have to invest more mm. either you have to invest more or is you have to start early but Correct. for god's sake just to retire early don't take the aggressive approach with respect to your investment don't take the undue risk correct because i think that's where people make mistakes and they go to active managed funds and say you know i want to meet my goals reach my goals and then they they want a quick returns and that's where everything goes for a toss then we end up spending more than what we actually could have earned through a simple investment in index funds which is just making the market correct so that was great what we just discussed now i want to understand if if people had to or if you had to give it, uh, people an idea as i mentioned let's say young 25 30 not 25 but young 30 because that's where people have that midlife crisis that i think it starts to kick in so if you had to recommend again i know one size does not fit all right everyone has their own goals and so on but again if i had to ask you for let's say asset allocation plan for in general which you think has worked best it is a general one not customized based on their goals but what do you think to for starters a proper asset allocation could be and later they can rebalance if required okay uh see when it comes to asset allocation i i am fan of uh, benjamin graham uh, who wrote a wonderful book uh, the intelligent investor there you notice that he introduces the concept of two types of investors one is a defensive investor and another one is the enterprise investor so accordingly he uh, suggested the asset allocation for these two types of investors uh, for a enterprise investor enterprise investor is someone who have a time bandwidth and uh, trying to learn the things and trying to do the things like active buying and selling and all the stuff for him also he suggested that around 75% should be in equity and 25% should be in a debt and if you don't have that uh, bandwidth to do the research and all the stuff then the simplest and best strategy is to adopt the defensive investment strategy where he suggested that 50% should be in equity and the 50% should be in debt hmm. okay this is a fantastic permanent portfolio allocation which you can uh, introduce but at the same time again in individual life there are various categories of goals or requirements so that is the reason what i usually suggest to all my clients that if your goals are less than 5 years then for god's sake don't experiment with equity stick with a debt fund okay and if your goals are more than 5 years to 10 years then allocate around 40 percentage in uh, equity and 60 percentage in debt and if your goals are more than 10 years then go for 60 40 kind of a thing between equity and debt this i think works better okay mm. but at the same time yearly rebalancing or else a yearly looking into those asset classes very very much important when you are investing in a market based product it is not like a bank fifty that okay i invest today and i will open my eyes after 10 years it is not like that 
you have to uh, regulate in the sense once in a year will be enough with cross checking this asset allocation i think this asset allocation is perfect for anyone who want to adopt either 50 50 as a permit allocation or else the one which i suggested 60% with equity and 40% in debt and reduce the equity allocation as the goal is nearer to a reach okay makes sense i like what you just mentioned equities and investing in equities and and debt so when we talk about equities obviously it means bonds right like stocks and bonds when i say stocks and bonds i'm obviously we know where we are leaning towards so that's that's where people should be focusing on but when we talk about debt what are some let's say someone has a goal for 5 years or 10 years and they're looking to invest in debt uh, options so what are some best uh, debt options there okay see if your requirement is less than 3 years then simply stick to the bank fds and rds wonderful product okay okay don't listen to all these uh, financial uh, guys who you preach certain debt funds because at the end of the day taxation is also same with respect to the debt fund and equity fund if you are within 3 years so if your goal is less than 3 years stick to bank fds and rds however if your goal is more than 3 years then you can explore the debt funds and when i say debt funds again there are certain risks involved there also that doesn't mean that it is safe it again depends on there are certain credit risk and investment uh, in uh, interest rate risk and uh, default risk all those risks are there so try to if your requirement is less than 5 years or else up to 5 years then use the money market fund or else uh, the ultra short term debt fund which may be fantastic for you and again it doesn't mean that all the money market and all the ultra short term debt funds are safe okay mm-hmm. you have to go deeper into the fund portfolio where they are investing and what is the rating of those bonds where they invested and again one more question i will tell you just because the current rating is triple a or uh, aa doesn't mean that it will remain same throughout your investment period <laughs> true as and when the financial status of the companies will change these rating companies will change the ratings so you have to be very cautious when you are investing in a debt mutual funds Uh, equity funds anyone can understand but when it comes to debt always try to be double cautious than investing in equity that is the reason uh, i usually suggest to use the simplest product which is available currently take for example as at mundu bank fd and rds and if your goal is more than uh, 15 years then use a ppf and if you have a girl child then use the sukanya samriddhi yojana which is available okay and at the same time if you are allocating towards your retirement then use the epf and vpf One, uh, one, I mean, fantastic products. Who will give me around eight point one percentage tax free returns now, right? Correct. So after allocating the simplest product, if you still have a room to allocate, then experiment with the debt funds, and that also mm. with a caution. Hmm, makes sense. Now let's talk about the the ones that we just spoke about, EPF, PPF, and this is something that I wanted to talk about because majority of my listener base are working class professionals. They are between twenty uh, five to thirty five and forty, right? So like, like first, what's the advantage of EPF and PPF right and how does this also help in tax deductions because end of the day one of the major pieces also any money you save is also is 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 a is an opportunity for you to grow right so if you are spending too much in taxes that means you are also a part of you is going into there so first let's focus on how can working class professionals save tax right Be- become tax efficient and then how EPF and PPF we can contribute to ensure that there are more returns for future okay See, when as we are concentrating too much on the uh, salary, uh, let me give a sad part of uh, tax saving. Uh, the maximum limit which is available under ATC is one lakh fifty thousand, which is 
there since many many years which we uh, government not uh, increased it in career scenario for many many young guys fulfilling that 150000 is not so much uh, difficult right they can usually fulfill with epf ppf and uh, uh, the school fee what they are paying towards their kids and in fact uh, if they are uh, uh, contributing to the home loan principal then home loan principal is also part of the apc uh, these things and, and in fact if they are opting for the term life insurance that also comes under atc benefit okay so the biggest contributors for the tax saving purpose for the salary is atc apart from that there are certain options like atd for the medical insurance and uh, home loan different opinion with respect to the home loan many salary usually go for a home loan just because for the tax saving because uh, that will give additional tax benefit of 2 lakh rupees uh, beyond atc and all those but i will give an example let us assume that we both are earning same and we both are falling under the same tax bracket and you have a home loan and i don't have a home loan and obviously you are paying uh, let us assume that you are paying a uh, 2 lakh rupees uh, per uh, year uh, for the uh, uh, to the banker in the form of interest Uh, then obviously you think that okay I saved around uh, sixty thousand rupees if you are falling under thirty percent tax cap. Now in my case I don't have a home loan, so I am paying uh, sixty thousand tax sadly. But at the same time one lakh forty thousand is in my pocket. But yeah. in your case just for the sake of tax saving you are donating one lakh forty thousand rupees by for the sake of saving sixty thousand. Okay, but at the same time take for example as I pointed out in under ATC. Okay, if you are investing under EPF or PPF, you save the tax, and at the same time you are creating the wealth for yourself. Hmm. But by opting for the home loan, you are creating the wealth wealth for the lenders. Same time, I am not saying that you must not adopt the home loan. Go for a home loan if the home money, I mean the the house what you are purchasing is not affordable for you. But don't retain the home loan for the sake of tax again. And apart from that, NPS is there. Where if your employer is contributing uh, towards the NPS from their part, then that will be an, an advantage for you to save the tax. And along with that one, if you pay, I mean, if you invest in NPS of up to fifty thousand per year, that also give an added advantage beyond ATC. So you can explore the NPS also. So I don't think there are many many other options available. ATC yeah. is the biggest contributor. Then this medical bill under ATD. And this NPS additional contribution. Hmm. So NPS is 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 where people can just go ahead and contribute fifty thousand to the NPS, and then they can add as a deduction, right? Additional tax benefit apart from ATC. Okay, correct. So I've not I've I don't have much exposure to that. So for someone who is hearing this for the first time, how would you like to explain? Like, how does this work, and how will this benefit a working class professional after twenty five or thirty years if they're investing, let's say, fifty thousand every year in NPS? See, NPS is a scheme launched by government of India. I think uh, if you are a government employee from two, after 2004, they are also uh, have to contribute to the NPS for the retirement. Okay, it is a kind of a retirement uh, corpus which you can build over the period of time uh, by contributing to the NPS. I mean, there is a lock-in up to 60 years of age, and uh, whatever you contribute, that will be divided between uh, debt and equity as per either active choice or in certain choices there based on your age. Uh, uh, they will uh, do the asset allocation. Okay, but At the same time, I am not saying that as it is a government uh, government scheme and uh, it provides additional tax benefit. Don't jump into blindly hmm. because the first thing is that, as I told you, the lock-in is up to 60 years. Yeah. So how many you guys who are working in a private sector are able to work up to 60 years of age? First thing. Second thing, 
see uh, when you withdraw the money many people think that nps provide me the pension it is not like that nps will just help you to accumulate the retirement corpus Okay, and once you accumulate the corpus, then you can withdraw 60% of the corpus, and the remaining 40% you have to convert that into an annuity by approaching the insurance company. Annuity means pension plan. Or uh, you invest today, and from next month onward, you start the pension. So that annuity or that pension will be taxable for you. Oh, okay. Okay. So that is the reason. it doesn't mean that just because it is a government product or else government is regulating or else the cost is very less and there are certain tax benefit don't jump for it use that one just mm. for the sake of additional tax saving of 50000 beyond that one don't go over there and if you go deeper into how they are managing the money there's no clarity with respect to the equity portfolio and debt portfolio and in fact in their debt portfolio they are holding the long term government bonds and corporate bonds which are highly volatile to the interest rate moment so you have to be very cautious when you are choosing the nps use that one as a additional tax resource for you but don't more more there in the nps okay let's say for example someone is in his, is in his 30s and they invest in nps whatever 25 30 1000 40000 every year they they retire maybe they they met their goals they're not they, they just don't want to work anymore and they they retire early at let's say after 10 years they retire at 40 What happens to that money now? Can can they take out that money or can they keep that so that it compounds? How does that work? Ah, uh, you can you can keep it as long as you wish for up to sixty or up to seventy. I think as per the current rule. But uh, withdrawal, there are certain restrictions. I mean, uh, if the amount is less than five lakh or two point five lakh, I think then you can withdraw. Otherwise, you are not allowed. And the withdrawal is also available in case of a certain event like a disease and all those stuff. So there are huge restrictions with respect to the liquidity with NPS. Okay, hmm. so that is the reason I told you that uh, don't overboard there and don't make sure that it will be a primary uh, investment product in your retirement portfolio. Okay, even though let's say the person stops working at forty, they can still go and then take that money out at sixty after sixty. They they still are eligible yeah. to get that money. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Now. I know we are almost coming to the end of our our time slot, uh, but there are a couple of questions that I wanted to ask you. Uh, are there any specific things that you also have in mind right now that you think, out of all the discussions that we have covered, maybe we have missed it, and we should like to shed some more light on? Okay, uh, let me first start on this with respect to the investment world. And uh, when it comes to investment. we always try to believe on someone else take for example he may be banker or else he may be our friend or relative or whoever it is don't try to believe on someone else even though he may be uh, trustworthy for you take for example your friend or your relative his risk appetite is entirely different than yours losing 1 lakh may be a not a big thing for him but losing 10000 may be a biggest thing for you so try to understand your requirement at first and when it comes to money matters don't rely on someone else you must learn if you don't know anything try to learn it because see you are spending around 8 to 10 hours a day to earn something yes and if you not uh, giving importance to that money how to manage it then what is the use of earning right so to make sure that you must learn it there is no other solution if you uh, the financial industry is in such a way that if they sense that you don't know anything then the probability of the misselling or else selling uh, yes. may be big, big big okay don't do that and at the same time try to keep it simple as much as possible okay see there are various situations where young guys may die and uh, 
his family may be unaware of where the money is getting invested so don't do that mistake keep it simple as much as possible invest in a product where you can understand better okay don't look for the fancy product take for example crypto and all those stuff see whenever you are investing you have to ask the question like if something went wrong with me then who might can approach there must be certain regulation if that is not the case then my money is under risk Correct. so don't explore such stuff just because there is a fire like international investing international stocks and all those stuff don't invest and in fact in mutual funds or in any investment don't invest or don't expose yourself just because someone is exploring and they have generated the returns so these are the few pointers which i thought that to share yes yes it makes sense because i i know this was everyone were talking about crypto people were buying crypto like anything but now the thing has gone down so i think it's more like a bear market everything is volatile and people are not buying anymore people are selling and there's a lot of things that has happened in india as well so there were companies that were a part of bigger companies selling cryptos but internally they had some crash and now a lot of people's cryptos and amount is, is stuck so yeah I, i understand where you coming and i think that was important that you mentioned uh, these are some of the myths that people should be aware of so that we are taking more informed decisions with regards to our finances uh now i know you you mentioned one book the intelligent investor but for people that want to start off in investment world what are your advices on books let's say if you had to give three books that people should read to at least learn investment get an understanding abc's of investment what what books should they read the first one is obviously the intelligent investor i'm not sure to what extent people will understand but there is a wonderful book you must learn and you must read it okay how many times you read that is left with you but each time whenever you read you learn something okay mm. uh because it was written maybe around 56 years back and the values are still relevant please obviously it's a wonderful book the second in the investment book what i will suggest is the psychology of money by morgan hassel wonderful book you can read it and third one is if you are really experimenting with a mutual funds then i will suggest to read john bogle's book uh the i mean the common sense of investing in mutual fund i think which will give the insight about how this mutual fund industry will work and how you have to take a caution with respect to the investment world Okay, so these are the primary books which you can uh, start to read. And in fact, intelligent investor may be a kind of a book which you can explore later on. But first thing you have to look for is psychology of money and this uh, John Bogle book. These are simple. You don't need to be financial savvy to learn all these. All, I mean, these two books. Start reading these books, and in fact, uh, those may be helpful for you to create the wealth in the long run. Hmm. It's important that you understand his psychology because. that has to do with passive uh, how you should be focused because that's the approach he follows even he is is someone who is preaching that and i've got the book john bogle's book the common sense of mutual fund something of that so i've not read it yet but that's a book that i've already bought and i'll pretty much give an example with respect to how psychology works uh, see in 2019 uh, one lady i mean uh, i mean associated with one bank uh, she approached me to review the portfolio and when uh, i looked at her portfolio Almost around 90-95 percent was in equity. Then I asked her that, uh, "Don't do that one. Uh, you do the asset allocation as per your goals, and you have to move certain money towards the debt." Then her question is that, "See, when my funds are generating 20-25 percent in returns, then why I have to move the money where the returns are just around 5-6 percentage?" Very question, right? So then I told her that, "See, luckily you started investing from 2008 crash." So obviously you have not faced any such a crash. That itself is a creating the confidence inside you. Okay, don't do that one. 
rather than that you have to do the application but she not listen to me and i even i also not bothered because just it is a portfolio review then when the covid happened and market was down by around 20 to 30 percentage she approached me for the recommendation of certain date funds then i asked her what happened she told me that no no i withdraw all the money as it was down by around 25 to 30 percentage so i never want to invest the equity in equity again and uh, then i recommended certain debt funds and see might have invested or not i am not sure i not also tracked again when the market went up from the fall then again she contacted me asking me for certain equity fund recommendation then i again asked what happened now <laughs> she told me that no no whatever i lost in uh, 2020 i want to make it profit by investing again in equity if she not did anything forget about my strategy of asset allocation even exactly. if she stick with the 90 percentage or whatever the asset allocation is there in equity she stayed calmly then she may be under uh, i mean well ahead of others true 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 but this is how the human behavior works correct i think if she would have sticked it would have helped her even more but but correct. the idea right of timing the market and making predictions is what uh, puts us down i think it's very important cause this is more true with our behavior and even the best experts who are like the best right like the ray dalio warren buffett even these guys say that don't don't try to time the market if you time if you correct. try to predict you are gone case correct correct obviously see again if you look at the last 100 years data i mean the market crash happened there were around 24 to 25 market crashes in last 100 years data on an average you have to face a market crash once in 3 4 years that is sure correct right very true and uh, market will fall tomorrow or market will fall today doesn't matter to me we have to prepare ourselves and second thing uh, each time whenever the market crashed it was on an average around 20 uh, 20 to 25 or 30 percentage downtrend on an average okay so when you are investing in a equity you must be prepared yourself to face any market crash for any 3 to 4 years once in a, once in a 3 4 years and you have to be well prepared for the crashes like 25 to 30 percent is downtrend in your equity correct these are the common things that is the reason i love the morgan hassel mainly because he will bring the history not from uh, financial world from other world he brings in the history and connect that one to the behavior aspect and how we behave that is very very much important in fact we can connect each and every aspect of our life with the money agreed okay and uh, in fact uh, one more which if, if i have to suggest then it may be atomic habits hmm atomic habits okay this wonderful book yeah and i think this is very important right i mean even just the awareness of knowing that there is a market crash happening there is a uh, not only a correction but also when the stock falls below 20% what do you call that I, i'm not sure i i forgot the term below the beer ha uh, beers correct the beer market right when when you fall below 20 so the evidence shows right like every 3 to 4 years anybody who's equating whoever is investing you are bound to go and face that sometimes it may be 10 sometimes maybe lesser but once people are aware they know that this is going to happen every 3 4 years at least now we are aware that you are anticipating it rather than becoming reactive and trying to sell at when when it is scooping and because at that time if you are able to hold on to those stocks or those bonds or equities at least like you need better returns after two years because every from the last 100 years i've seen the graph of the stocks and it is always growing so there is growth yeah, yeah. every 3 or 4 but yeah there is a crash which is coming you have to prepare yourself take for example uh, if you check it out the nifty level in 2000 before the dot com bubble all used to say that it's the all time high all time high it may crash at any point of time and again before 2008 crash also market was all time high 
and uh, subprime uh, market mortgage recession uh, uh, started and at that time also nifty was all time high and people used to say the same thing if you compare those levels with today's level then obviously the money might have uh, many folded in many many times but uh, that that is the reason i used to say that in last 10 years the nifty was almost tripled hmm. but how many of us actually tripled our money yes that's that's the very important point and i think that's It's the all reason about behavior <laughs> and that's the reason why why i'm i'm trying to promote this idea because this is very important because i know people want to invest but there's so much noise around that they they don't know because it, it works for the financial industry when there is too much noise too much confusion because then they have more more opportunity but once people become aware once people are aware that you know what this is what we need to do then you are drastically saving yourself from being scammed or uh, taking someone else a pie of your cake or a piece of your cake basically or what your hard earned money is okay so uh, one last question before i i let you go uh, maswaraj is we have discussed so many things on on the financial perspective asset allocation different uh, investment uh, categories and so on but if you had to give let's say two solid advices okay to your kids so it's something that you're going to give to your kids in terms of how they can become find financial freedom what those only two advice would be you're not giving them any money only two big advice on how to manage money see the first advice even i used to say to my daughter also that uh, currently she is test standard once you start earning start saving at least 50 percentage of whatever you are earning rest to 50 percentage you spend lavishly like however you wish for the early starter is a uh, one who will win the race of this uh, investing and second thing don't be in a hurry to create the wealth this is where many of us will do the mistake mm. so these are the two important aspect you have to look for start early and don't be in a hurry to create the wealth and whatever it is because creating the wealth is not like a something like okay i invest today in some product and uh, tomorrow it may be double triple or something like that it's a long journey and in fact a boring journey which you have to do it repeatedly repeatedly for few decades start early and be patient with whatever you want these are the two advice which i would give to all the young guys awesome awesome So I know thank you so much you know Basuraj for taking your time out joining us on the show sh- sharing your wisdom your knowledge I'm sure a lot of people would learn from what we just discussed today uh and how how can people reach out to you uh if they have any questions if they want to consult Yeah uh, actually I I'm running a blog since almost around uh, 12 years which is called uh, www.basuraj.com and uh, they can uh, visit the blog and there uh, I have provided my contact details including my na uh, mobile number and email id and all the stuff they can reach out to me and i am always available to resolve their queries at any point of time awesome thank you so much for joining us on the growth mindset podcast thank you thank you it's my pleasure to join be a part of this podcast awesome this brings us to the end of this episode and hope you at least had one takeaway from this interview if you have any questions or want to talk to me personally you can find me at www.silavatirshad.com see you soon